0: And so I would drive an hour and a half, hour and a half. I would get to the thing and then I found out it was canceled. (sighs) Yes. And then it was my fault.
1: You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step-family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy step-family coaching team, Lori and David Sims.
2: Welcome to episode 138 of the Nacho Kids podcast.
3: That's right.
2: Did you notice how I said podcast?
3: I did. You've been working on that all day.
2: I have. I had to run it together really fast.
3: (laughs) Good job.
2: Thank you, honey. Okay. Our guest today. Oh, wait. I have to announce the scholarship winner. That's right. Okay. This week's winner of the Linda Dunham Scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy is, drum roll please,
3: <laughs>
2: S. MacDonald. All right. All right, S. McDonald. look in your email and find an email from us and reply and we will
3: get you started. Yeah, see you on the inside.
2: See you on the inside, girl. All right, our guest today... Is the husband of our guest last week. (laughs) So this is Control Freak's husband and is going by the name Austin Powers.
3: (laughs) That's so groovy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They have been blending two years and he has two bio daughters. And it was really great getting his perspective on things. And it's good to talk to them separately.
3: Mm -hmm. I bet it is. Because they're not afraid
2: (laughs) to say stuff.
3: That's right.
2: I'm just kidding. He didn't say anything bad.
3: He's he's probably like, "Um, honey, I just want to let you know before this airs, I love you.
2: (laughs) No, I think she already told him beforehand what he could say.
3: I'm just kidding,
2: Control Freak. I'm just kidding. Oh, my
3: goodness.
2: We love you, Control Freak. We really do.
3: Here's your script that you must go by.
2: <laughs> we talk about all kind of stuff. We talk about how his ex is so crazy. Mm. We talk about guilty parent syndrome. We talk about his views on nachoing and what he thought when Control Freak came to him and said, I'm about to nacho.
3: <laughs> you know, that's got to be an interesting conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you too much and give away too much, but if you didn't listen to episode 137 with Control Freak, go back and listen to that, and then listen to this one with her husband.
3: Yeah. Do that.
2: Yeah. Do that. (laughs) And we have a couple of announcements to make. Do not forget, in April of this year, we are going to Fort Worth, Texas. Now, mm-hmm. now, 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 now. Yeehaw, y'all. Yeehaw. <laughs> Getting my boots ready. <laughs> we are going to be speaking at a couples conference with Laura Petherbridge. If you're interested in attending, go to laurapetherbridge.com slash
3: events. Cool. Are You going to put like a link in the show notes?
2: Yes, David, I will.
3: Good. Because I won't know how to spell Petherbridge.
2: <laughs> Petherbridge.
3: Okay, thank you.
2: You're welcome, darling. (laughs) That way you can sign up.
3: I'll sign up.
2: All right, so we are into the new year. Mm -hmm. At the time of this recording, there are a lot of things going on in the world with the weather and nature, I guess you would say.
3: (laughs) Okay, where are you going with this?
2: (laughs) Well, I was just going to say that we are really thinking of the people in Colorado where the fires are destroying so many homes. Oh, yeah. And... Personally, here in South Carolina, there have been nine earthquakes.
3: Oh, they had another one?
2: No, just when I told you eight, it was really nine. (laughs) Okay. Since, I think, December the 20th, nine. Yeah,
3: and you claim you felt
2: one. I didn't say I felt one. I heard one. How do you hear
3: an earthquake but not feel it?
2: I don't know, dude. But I woke up at the exact time they say that earthquake happened, and I didn't know what was going on. I thought somebody was in the house, because I heard stuff in the house.
3: I think Jackson was in the bathroom with an upset stomach. That's what you heard.
2: He wasn't (laughs) even home.
3: He was in the mountains. (laughs) Yeah. It might have been you making noises now that I think about it. It's probably me snoring.
2: Yes, Lord have mercy. If anybody has a snoring husband, I'm sorry.
3: I don't don't have a problem with it.
2: Yeah, of course you don't. I don't know how you get any sleep, though. It's like... (sighs)
3: Hey, look here, sunshine. Isn't okay. Like, you know, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> well, at least I'm I probably, talk in my sleep. I'm probably snoring so I can drown you out.
2: Well, I tried to wake you up when I heard what I didn't know was going on at the time was apparently an earthquake. And you don't wake up. And then the other night they were calling for tornadoes and the dog started acting crazy. And so I tried to wake you up. Then you got headphones on. I'm like... Who sleeps with headphones on when there is supposed to be a chance of a tornado?
3: Me. Obviously. (laughs) I love my headphones.
2: (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to tell you, I'm one of these people, if I'm asleep and I hear something and it sounds like somebody's in the house, I'm thinking I'm already dead.
3: They're awake and I'm not. You're awake and I'm not. (laughs) So I just go back to sleep. (laughs) you're like, have they seen how long it takes me to get out of bed? (laughs)
2: Well... (laughs) You know, I'm thinking if by the time I've heard them, they've already probably been in here 30 minutes. <laughs> Not true, actually. I'm a light sleeper.
3: Yeah. Well, sometimes. I don't know how you sleep through your conversations, though.
2: I wake myself up sometimes.
3: Oh, I know. Yeah. Sometimes I wake you up. The most fun part, I and I have to fight busting out laughing when I do this, oh, but lovely. sometimes I'll get in the bed, and you're already asleep, and my hands are cold, and I'll put my hands <laughs> on you, and you go... <laughs> 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 I mean, it's just so funny <laughs> see y'all
2: look he button pushing sleeping people
3: but <laughs> and then i have to try my best not to just bust out laughing so loud that it wakes you up so i'm fighting back trying to laugh which almost makes me laugh even more <laughs> there have been times when i've had to get up and go out of the room <laughs> and start laughing
2: So, David, why would you do that?
3: To make you feel alive.
2: (laughs) Makes me want to kill you.
3: I don't think you know what's going on. It's just you're asleep, and all of a sudden there's a cold hand on you. (laughs) And you don't say anything. There's no words. It's just noise. (laughs) 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 Well,
2: I do know here the last few nights I've been dreaming about karate.
3: Oh, I know why.
2: Because Kay, the daughter-in-law, got me binge-watching Cobra
3: Kai. Hmm. So I'm probably going to end getting kicked while we're asleep one night. Oh, yeah. No, don't do it. and Then blame it on it, knowing that <laughs> you did that on purpose. You'll hear, hi yeah. Yeah. I can see you kicking me going, oh, I was asleep. <laughs> oh, Mr.
2: Miyagi, me so sorry. <laughs> me so-, so sorry, I kick you in your head. <laughs>
3: You're so (laughs) stupid. All right, let's get into this interview. You're going down a rabbit hole. But it's a good rabbit hole. Okay. All right. You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's dive in. First, here's a word about the Nacho Kids Academy.
1: There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. in the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle step-family challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit Nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step-parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's Nachokidsacademy.com.
2: Today, we have bio dad, Austin Powers. Hey, Austin Powers, how are you? <laughs> Hello, how are you? Actually, I interviewed your wife earlier today. Yes, you did. So it's going to be good to get your side of the story.
0: All right. I'm looking forward to this. This this is very exciting.
2: Just in case our listeners didn't hear the previous podcast, you have been blending for two years. Mm -hmm. You have two daughters. Yes. And they are 10 and 7. Yes. And you have them every other weekend. Full summer except for two weeks, and you alternate long holidays and things like that. Yes, and you have a high conflict ex. Yes. So when you met your wife, and she didn't have any kids, Mm -hmm. did that concern you that she didn't have kids?
0: No, because well, that's that's a really good question. It did, and it didn't. I would say mostly it didn't because. I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way, but <laughs> it's kind of like having a lot of experience in a job previously to starting a new job. Sometimes this doesn't involve uh, every situation. Obviously every situation is different, but sometimes when you start a brand new job mm-hmm. or you know a brand new relationship and you have a lot of previous experience, you can come in with having a lot of bad habits that have to be kind of broken and changed and worked around in order to kind of fit the new job or the new relationship, you know, comparatively speaking. Mm -hmm. So my wife not having kids coming into the relationship was able to kind of come in and be open and be a sponge to, you know, this new and different kind of job or lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And it can be sometimes easier to adapt and kind of grow easier to accept and learn what this new thing is kind of about.
2: I know when I was dating, I wanted to date somebody that had kids because mm-hmm. I needed them to understand that if my child was sick, sorry, if we had plans, we were just going to have to cancel.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's an excellent point that you're also making uh, in that... There is also a uh, disconnect of having, or one person having kids and the other one not. And it can be really hard to communicate what that's like for the parent and for the non-parent. And so it actually also does take a lot of extra work and extra communication just to get everybody on the same page. So there's a lot of, a lot of pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when you know that you find the right person, though, you know, you'll you'll do anything and you'll work around any obstacle. But it can be it can be challenging. It can be different. You
2: moved after you and your ex split up. Yes. And you couldn't bring your kids to where you moved to because you moved in with your wife, your soon to be wife. Yes. Was that in the court papers or your ex-wife? just said no that's
0: not happening the ex-wife basically just flat out said no that's not happening and started creating all these terms to whatever agreement she wanted to and because there was nothing held and bound by the courts she was able to kind of do and get away with pretty much anything that she wanted at least at that point in time now i am saying that it did come back And bite her in the hind parts a little bit later Mm -hmm. because we were able to use that. However, there was also, it doesn't help in the moment. That's for sure. And especially being in the type of situation that I had. So what I had to do is I had to resort to a alternate living situation with basically an Airbnb and... It was not fun. It was not fun at all, you know, because you want to be able to bring your kids to your home and show them this, uh, this life that you have and show them like what your normal, natural environment is. So trying to not only handle a really intense situation such as this. And raise kids, but now you have to adjust to a constant every other week living situation as
2: well. that has got to be so hard and costly. It was
0: mm-hmm. absolutely.
2: S- so when were the kids able to meet your
0: current wife? I think it was somewhere around the mo- somewhere around like the eight month mark, maybe a little more something along those lines. But the thing was, is that, and that was highly, that was obviously against, uh, not against what I wanted Mm -hmm. and the ex would say things like, you know, I'm not comfortable with the kids being around her until I've met her and things like that, which is, you know, can be understandable, but when HCBM is... Refusing to meet that person so that the kids can't be around them. That's the problem. And what's an even bigger problem than that is the kids met the ex's uh, current boyfriend way early on in their relationship. But wouldn't meet my wife so that I could bring the kids around. And that's because you had no say. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I had. I had no say.
2: So you didn't have court papers at the time. Mm -mm. And from speaking with you previously, you did go to mediation, but that was a waste of time. Big time. I wonder if anybody ever benefits from going to mediation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know if I would love to hear a story of somebody who highly benefited from mediation. I really do. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to have to find somebody. (laughs) For sure.
2: Yeah, and you had also mentioned that going to court felt like physically going to battle. Yes, can you elaborate on that a little bit?
0: Uh, of course. Yeah, I would love to, and thank you so much for uh, for reminding me and bringing that up. Oh, I'm sure you want to relive it. <laughs> yeah. So the emotional toll that going to court brings upon somebody, especially when it comes to not only child custody. But divorce proceedings and trying to remove yourself from a highly toxic former relationship, the, the toll that that takes on somebody, it's like going to a medieval battle. You've got cheap body armor on. You've got a thousand soldiers that you've got to face and there are things that are going to get brought up in these court proceedings that you had no idea were coming. Mm -hmm. And so the majority of the time for, for most people, when someone goes to court, there's going to be accusations made. There's going to be just this huge portfolio of how you are such a bad parent on either side and it's hard to stomach things that are just not true and you know that you are the best parent that you possibly can now of course all of us can adapt and you know change and and be make things a little bit better on a regular basis and that's just where the self-awareness comes from but to have this huge thing laid out in front of you that was uh that's all like 100 percent not true Mm -hmm. and especially when you have a manipulative person as an ex who is manipulating witnesses into saying things that definitely didn't happen to make you look like a bad guy too. That's just, uh, it's like going to battle. Yeah. It's super hard, hardest thing I would ever done in my entire life. And I have been through some stuff between my job field in emergency medicine and some other things by far the hardest thing I'd ever done.
2: It is so draining. It is. Now, you've got court papers now. Yes. But you also know that those don't really mean a whole lot.
0: Yeah, they really don't mean a whole lot. The court papers only mean as much as you are willing to refer back to what the court document says and hold the other party accountable for what that says but you also have to live and breathe by those same words yourself. And without that, if you start immediately like deteriorating away from what the court document says, even if it's going to benefit yourself, then well, first of all, what was the point in going to court to begin with? Why did you go through this battle? Why did you go through all of this trouble, all these, uh, you know, heartaches, of uh, practically a week of trying to emotionally recover after two days of court, sometimes longer. Mm -hmm. Why would you go through all of that if you're just going to deviate from what the court document says anyway? So you have to live and breathe every word of it and make sure that you're holding yourself to that same standard as well.
2: But if you know you're not going to get in trouble,
0: then it falls under morals. Morals, yes. Your core values, who you are as a person, Absolutely. I agree.
2: And it's really sad that they're not enforced more than they are.
0: Yeah, it it really is. So in my specific type of case, it's really about kind of using these uh, small things, continuously documenting, which I'm going to be honest, it was, (laughs) I'm still working on that part. I I have done documenting, but I'm always finding ways that I can improve and have a a better system of it. But basically, you're constantly building new cases for yourself in order to try and protect yourself because you can't control what other people are going to accuse you of.
2: Yeah. And how do you convince a judge in the short time frame that this person is lying?
0: That's a really good question.
2: It's almost like we need lie detector test in the family
0: court system. Right? Yes. Yes. I really like that idea.
2: I do too. <laughs> I just thought of yeah. it actually.
0: It's, it's a great idea. <laughs> so how do you convince a judge in that short amount of time that you have, because you don't have much, that, you know, the other person is lying. Basically that's going to fall down to your documentation because when you do have a consistent basis of lies from a former marriage or whatever that other side is, if that person is consistently lying and you're doing your due diligence and you're doing your documentation, your documentation, will show it mm-hmm. as long as, you know, it's uh, well-organized and you can refer back to it. It's, you know, the, the proof is definitely there. That's really the only way that I can possibly think of. But if these small instances, if these small little tidbits of things come around, even down to the smallest detail. So I'm trying to think if I can come up with a really good example, you know, basically like uh, HCBM would say, you know, something, oh, the the kids have a, you know, something at school and then it's at three o'clock, but it's actually at two o'clock. And so when you go there and you miss it, and then all of a sudden, it's your fault for being late because you actually were told the wrong thing, but there's no way to prove it. If right. you didn't document it, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: because she could easily document that you didn't show up.
0: That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Easily can easily be set up in situations like that. Yeah, and I, I think another super tough thing is that when you're specifically being targeted as a uh, as parental alienation as a parent. And I think that's another really difficult thing to, uh, to prove. I think the court systems nowadays are taking these type of things more serious, mm-hmm. but I think it is another one of those things that without the documentation, you're not going to be able to prove it. And the damaging effects to that after years of that happening are just catastrophic.
2: Yeah, we had actually did an interview a while back with Dorsey Pruder, Mm -hmm. and she's in California and does a lot with parental alienation in the court system. Oh, wow. And she has it where basically they go to court Mm -hmm. and the alienated parent ends up getting the child temporarily. So the court systems are starting to switch a little bit with that, especially Mm -hmm. where she is. Hopefully it'll start spreading because that's just, it's crazy. And it is harmful to the kids. For sure. And it's hard to repair that damage.
0: Yes. To be able to repair that damage is, I I can't even imagine what that's like, nor do I want to. So the proper preventative maintenance now and handling things now are super crucial.
2: Right. So when we spoke before, you admitted that you had GPS. Guilty parent syndrome.
0: Yes. Yes, I did. So yeah, the guilty parent syndrome until I was actually exposed to uh, your guys's group and program through my wife, I didn't realize that it was a real thing. And you almost, you, you have an awareness that it's there, but you don't really know what it is. And it was, uh, it was a really terrible thing. I felt Horrible for the kids and the current situation, especially the entire situation before I was actually allowed to create a more stable environment for the kids to have. And I was doing all sorts of terrible parenting. I didn't have any sort of boundaries. I didn't have, I would pretty much let them get away with whatever they wanted. I mean, they were, you know, they were really young at the time, but. I would let them stay up kind of as late as they wanted. I would let them have snacks and food and drinks whenever they wanted and pretty much anything that they wanted just because I felt so bad for the current situation. And the worst part is that there was nothing I could do about it at that time. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize is that what I could control was myself, my own emotions, And how I was letting the situation affect me. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that I had a good grasp on at that time. And I kind of wish I did. But the guilty parent syndrome can definitely hinder a lot of your current judgments in those type of situations.
2: Oh, I get it. I admit it that I have it. Mm -hmm. Have you gotten better with it?
0: Yes. Yes, I have. I have gotten much better with it. There's a lot more structure. There's a lot more boundaries and respect for boundaries. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have the boundaries and then all of a sudden you try and implement them, like there's not going to be any respect for what they are and why you have them. And it has gotten so much better, especially after a lot of these, uh, a lot of these podcasts and a lot of the information and stories such as what we're doing now from your guys's program and through a lot of communication with my wife as well. And yeah, things like that, but so much better now.
2: And your wife started not Yes. When she first told you about not what was your response or how did you feel?
0: I was actually extremely open to it. I was like, hmm, okay. I was like, this is something that she wants to do. In order to enhance her relationship, not only with me, but with the kids, but with us as a blended family. Mm -hmm. And I just saw it as a huge positive thing. And I was actually very, very impressed that she totally went out of her way to do this research to really try and um, just be a better bonus mom. She came a long way. So long. Uh, such a long way. Yes, she has. I am so impressed and just totally blown away by how far she has gotten.
2: <laughs> me too. Me too. I still remember in the beginning, I was like, oh, this one's going to be tough. <laughs> but she's done great.
0: She has. She really has.
2: So before she started nachoing, did you feel like you didn't need to parent as much because she had it under control
0: That's a great point that you're making, so there's this huge balance to parenting and to life and things like that. when one parent tries to step in or even partner a spouse, a wife, a husband, something like that tries to step in and then the actual kids are not theirs it's almost like the other person tries to kind of take over, but the more the other person takes over, the less the natural bio parent starts kind of stepping back and letting the other person do all these things. Mm -hmm. So there, there, it creates this huge imbalance to, uh, to, to life and to the current situation. And I think one of the biggest things was not Really setting the boundaries and the roles and responsibilities of what each person has. So the non bio parent, you know, such as uh, such as my wife, the bonus mom, from the very beginning, we should have said that at any point in time, you know, she should get to decide whether or not she wants to do something for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the biggest things, and because there was areas that I was lacking that she had experience in that she was really good at, she would just take over because she was so much better at it than I was, mm-hmm. and I would just let her. But then, what gets really difficult when the um, uh, non-bio parent wants to step back, it's a lot harder to.
2: Yeah, it it is hard. It's easier if they come in. And nacho.
0: Yes, I agree.
2: But then once you're used to them doing everything, it takes some adjustment to get used to going back to where things were before your wife came in the picture, basically.
0: I totally agree. What nachoing does is that it really allows the non bio parent to kind of, you know, not only help. The um, bio parent, but to also not let the the situation have a huge negative effect on the non bio parent,
2: right? Because it takes the target off of them.
0: Yes, oh, uh, that's a that's a great point, Lori. So what I think sometimes happens is that as the non bio parent steps in more and more and tries to help the situation. The more and the bigger of a target that they put on themselves,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and it's so easy for the step parent to be blamed for everything. Yes. All of a sudden, we're having to eat healthy crap. All of a sudden, we have a bedtime. All of mm-hmm. a sudden, our grades are being monitored. Yep. Well, what What changed? Oh, the step parent came in the picture. The step parent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And you had also mentioned when we spoke before that. The Nacho Kids method made the bio parent, you,
0: mm-hmm.
2: be more accountable for being a parent.
0: Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. So as things come up within the you know daily living situation, as things need to be taken care of, the more that the non-bio parent steps back and says, You know this is this is not my problem and you're gonna have to figure something out the more that the bio parent has to take responsibility because whatever the situation is has to get taken care of and Mm -hmm. you have to find a way now it can be really beneficial that if you know that there's going to be a potential situation where you know you may have to lean on the non-bio parent to uh, To help with some things, you know, work related issues, things like that, and you have that future notice, and you can communicate that. Then, you know, that's when you guys can really work together as a team, as a family, you know, as a group. But if it's spur of the moment situations that you absolutely have control of as a bio parent. And you're now putting all of those responsibilities on the non-bio parent. It creates a huge problem. Mm -hmm. So this is where the nacho comes in. These are nacho kids. You know, they're not mine Mm -hmm. and you have to figure this out. You created this situation. You didn't communicate with me. You have to figure this out. Now, all of a sudden it creates a accountability for somebody like me who has to communicate these things ahead of time, who has to figure these out. And it's just absolutely amazing how effective this was in such a positive way.
2: I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm curious. I wonder why, and maybe you can help us with this just because you're a man, but I wonder why (laughs) some men, they look at it as, well, if she's not going to help me raise my kids, then why is she here? Whereas you're kind of looking at it as they're my responsibility and she's there. If I need help, Mm -hmm. it's kind of where when you expect something from somebody, there's no longer appreciation.
0: Yes. Great point. When you implement the expectation and you know, you absolutely expect the other person to help where you need help but if you don't communicate that then the appreciation is totally out the window and that creates a huge conflict within the you know within the family system Mm -hmm. so the problem itself is still there where say for instance if i needed help with something that's still there but now not only is that problem there but the appreciation factors out, and now there's all sorts of uh, negative hardship feelings between two people, and you have this problem on top of it. Yes.
2: It just compounds the problems.
0: It compounds the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: I know when Jackson was little and he would be sick from school, I would call David and say, I've got to go get Jackson from school. And He was closer than I was. For me to leave work is about 45 minutes to go get him. So there was no go getting him, bringing him home, Mm -hmm. and then going back to work. It just didn't make sense. And he would say, I'll go get him. And I'm like, are you sure? Because it wasn't his responsibility, but it just made sense because he was already in town. Mm -hmm. And he had the flexibility where he could stay home and work. Mm -hmm. And people say, but he was not showing Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. but he didn't mind helping me out with those things. And he knew I greatly appreciated it.
0: Yes. But to use this as the other kind of situation. So say in that same instance, if Jackson was sick, you're 45 minutes uh, away. you You know that your husband can help you and to go and pick up the kids and that he has the flexibility. But he doesn't want to do it, and you feel that he should anyway, because there was no sort of communication between you guys, Mm -hmm. then, you know, that's where that compound confliction really starts to come into play. So if at any point in time, even if it's more out of my way, or if there's extra steps that I have to do, because I am the bio parent, and those responsibilities are mine. So anything that my wife does is extra is bonus. Mm-hmm. She is the bonus parent, anything that she does or doesn't do. If she doesn't do something, then, you know, I have to take care of that. And cause it's my job anyway. Mm-hmm. But if she decides that she does want to do something, anything at all for the kids, then it's a hundred percent bonus. And, you know, that's why she's partially the bonus mom. Right. It's all just a bonus. So appreciating the things that the non-bio parent is willing to do has to be met.
2: right? And if I would have called David and said, just wanted to let you know, Jackson's sick. So I'm leaving work to go get him. If he Mm -hmm. would have just said, okay, I wouldn't have asked him to go get him. Yes. But him volunteering or offering to go get him. Mm-hmm. I was going to take him up on it because it did make sense. Yes. But I wasn't going to get mad if he didn't offer because Jackson was my responsibility and is my responsibility. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 100%.
2: One other thing we talked about before was, and you said this perfectly and I loved it, is before nachoing, things were almost confusing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Before nachoing, things were we're almost confusing. Like it it didn't understand why I was feeling I wasn't doing my job, even though you are, even though you're trying to take care of things, but there's a disconnect in communication of why there's, uh, you know, this, uh, and I really like the way you said this, this, this compound, you know, conflict, but these things would just kind of build up and I didn't understand why, but Mm -hmm. it was not showing that gave me the reminder that anything and everything with the kids is my responsibility. And because I wasn't meeting those expectations and my wife was trying to take that some of those responsibilities off of me. And part of that was because she may have felt guilty because of the situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's another thing too, but because she was feeling guilty because of the situation that I was in and she was trying to take some of that off me, Mm -hmm. that there was this huge compound confliction and you don't understand why. And it is confusing and it's hard to kind of grasp and figure out and understand at the moment so when nachoing started taking place it reminds you that anything and everything with the kids is your responsibility and at any point in time the um the non-bio parent can and should be able to just step back and be like "It's not my problem Mm -hmm.
2: yeah without the bio parent taking offense to it
0: Yes. Without the bio parent taking offense to it. A- absolutely. And that's uh yeah, that's a great point too. It really is. So yeah, you just have to have to be okay with it. I guess you get used to, and you start taking for granted mm-hmm. all of the help, mm-hmm. all of the things that the non-bio parent is doing and they start doing so much and on a regular basis that you know, you start kind of getting away from the realization that it's not their problem.
2: Right. You know, I wonder if a lot of men have issues with it because of how things have been for so many years that the woman takes care of the kids and the house and all that. Hmm. Whereas if your wife is not showing, then say she's not showing dinner then that's your responsibility. And it goes against how everybody was raised back in the day.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Yeah, that probably has a huge impact on it as well. And I think what we have to, have to remember is that, you know, that may have been true with, you know, your former relationship, your ex-relationship that you were in. And, you know, those were the uh, roles and responsibilities of, of each person, but that doesn't mean that that's the new roles and responsibilities of this new relationship. And, you know, you have to understand that when you are a bio parent and, you know, you're taking care of the kids that that former relationship is out now. So you have to play both parts. Mm -hmm. You have to step up and you can't expect your your relationship to take over those roles unless it is something that you guys have talked about and agreed upon but you're playing mom and dad now so it's your job now
2: yeah now we know that you have a high conflict ex <laughs> yeah <laughs> how do you handle not getting so frustrated with her that your kids know that you are frustrated with their mom?
0: That could be tough. Mm -hmm. That can be tough. So I use it as a similar thing to my job on a regular basis. I work an extremely stressful job and it's not that it's anything that I don't like my job or anything like that. Cause that's a whole nother kind of stress. Mm-hmm. The emergency and medical environment is stressful uh, on a regular basis, not including these COVID times. Oh yeah. So basically it's a similar concept to, to work. I don't bring work home and I don't bring home to work. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same with the kids. The kids is, I don't bring anything. From the ex, any sort of, you know, stressful situations, anything like that to them, like you have to live two separate lives. Like they can't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be really hard to, uh, to do that sometimes. So one of the ways to not do that, and this may be hard to kind of grasp. But when you're having those really bad, intense, emotional, negative feelings in the moment, especially after dealing with a high conflict situation from a high conflict bio parent, things like that
4: Mm -hmm.
0: is you have to learn how to control and how to control your own, your own emotions and talk your own way through it and work your way through those things. So it can be very easy to utilize kids, especially when you have them with you and to help kind of ease that pain because you are part of that family, because they are part of that past relationship. And that also can be extremely damaging in the long run too.
2: So say for instance, bio mom told you that there was a play at four o'clock, you get there, it's over you realize it started at three and that she Mm -hmm. was, let's just say less than truthful with you about the starting time. Yep. Would you say something to the kids to the effect of, sorry, I'm late. Your mom gave me the wrong time or sorry, I'm late. There was a miscommunication or do you just say, I'm sorry I was late and leave it at that.
0: So you've presented three very good you know, outcomes for that kind of situation. And yeah, I'll take a second to kind of address each one. So the first one,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and, and that's probably one of the easiest ones to do, is that, you know, sorry, your mom gave me the wrong information.
2: And it's the truth.
0: And it is. That is mm-hmm. the truth. Absolutely. But here's the thing is that most kids for that kind of age group, and should not know any sort of conflict or issues, you know, between you and the, you and that past relationship. Mm -hmm. So anytime you start putting blame on another person, even if they're the ones who did it for the kids, if you start blaming the other parent for things, then in the long run, that will take away accountability for the kids' actions themselves at a later time, because they have learned the behaviors and the patterns that they can just blame it on something or someone else. And then it becomes acceptable no matter what the situation was. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: And so the next one that you had mentioned, sorry, I was late. There was a miscommunication. I think that's probably the best option of the three, but you can't really, I don't want to say you can't be mad at the HCBM because you can, but you have to hold yourself accountable. So any sort of information that you're getting, you almost have to use it as a, uh, as a tool to benefit yourself. But if you're solely leaning on, on uh, HCBM or whoever, for a piece of communication, And as your primary uh, communication for updated information for the kids, then shame on you because you're already in a situation where, you know, you've had to go through all this, uh, probably all this divorce proceedings and, you know, this huge battle. And that person has already blamed you for all these things that you didn't do. And Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you're trusting what they're saying about proper times and things like that. You absolutely have to do your own due diligence and you have to follow up and say, if she says it's three o'clock, I'm going to be calling the place or calling whoever's hosting that play and making sure it's three o'clock. Yes. Because I've gotten myself into situations where I was doing that same thing and I was relying on that person for that information. And so I would drive an hour and a half, hour and a half. I would get to the thing and then I found out it was canceled. (sighs) Ah, <sighs> yes. And then it was my fault.
4: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And you can't blame the, uh, the other person, you know, it's a hundred percent on you. So if you don't want to get caught up in those situations, you have to take what they're saying with a grain of salt and kind of use it as a piece of information. And you have to follow up. You have to do your own research on everything that they tell you.
2: Especially if the ex has shown a pattern or a history. Yes. Of trying to alienate you.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's one of those really small things that the other person will do that makes you look like the bad guy, Mm -hmm. but it's really hard to prove. Yeah. And so the easy way out is to blame the other person to be like, you know, hey, it was canceled and they didn't tell me or hey, the your mom gave me the wrong information. It's easy to utilize those negative feelings that you'll have in that moment because you're angry about the situation Mm -hmm. to try and make yourself feel a little better.
2: Well, and you know, the ex is bashing you. Oh, of course. Absolutely. So you want to defend yourself and say, I'm sorry, I'm late. Your mom told me the wrong time Mm -hmm. because that's the truth. Yep. And it puts it back on mom because she's the one that did the wrong. But like you said, it's confusing for them.
0: It's very confusing for them and they don't understand why they don't understand, you know, what the problem is. And when you start having those kind of compound conflictions, like I'm really obsessed with that right now. I love the compound conflictions. (laughs) When you start having those compound conflictions and the kids don't understand why it's there, then they're going to start blaming themselves. Mm -hmm. They're going to think it's their fault.
2: Once the kids get older, Mm -hmm. they're going to realize, my mom bashed my dad. Yep. And even if dad bashed mom, too, they're going to see through the crap. Mm -hmm. And they're going to see, hey, my mom would tell me things that just didn't seem to sit well with me regarding Mm -hmm. my dad. Yep. And what I think a lot of parents don't realize is that can damage your relationship With your kids.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
2: And don't get me wrong. I do believe in being honest with your kids. Yes. And there are times that I feel like your kids need to know the truth for Mm -hmm. their safety and well-being. Yes. It's not necessarily bashing the ex as much as it is trying to protect your child. Yes. I'm sure there's better ways to do it than some of us have done in the past. Yes. But there's a fine line in, I need to tell my kid that this behavior is inappropriate when I know there are other bio parents exhibiting this behavior. Yes. So we need to probably come up with some books of, the veggie tales, or something where <laughs> the cucumber guy's the bad guy and the tomato guy's the good guy. And it's, oh, well, you know, Mr. Cucumber's over there smoking dope with his kids in the house. And that's not right mm-hmm. <laughs> or something because yep. the kids don't know. Yeah. And of course, that was an extreme of the smoking dope with your kid in the house, but even cussing. Yes. If your kid is in one home that the parents don't cuss Mm -hmm. and the other home, the parent does cuss. You don't want them to think that it's okay to do that or they're going to get kicked out of kindergarten. Yep. And you have to be able to express that without bashing that bio parent.
0: Yes. That's such a great point. It really is. So leading the proper and improper, uh, you know, behaviors of, you know, what is okay on a daily life without actually pinpointing one specific person. They kind of have to figure out as they grow up on their own, or, you know, hey, I've been taught that these things are not acceptable or not really allowed. And they kind of go against, you know, laws or anything of that sort, but, but they have to kind of pinpoint the two and two together.
2: Yeah. And sometimes it's as simple as you exhibiting the behaviors that you want them to know are appropriate. Yes. Or you can be out at dinner and someone say something, a cuss word or something really bad. And you just say, "Oh, that's not nice. Mm -hmm. And and because they are little sponges. They are. (laughs) They absorb more than a bounty paper towel.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The quicker picker upper. (laughs) Yeah.
2: The quicker picker upper. (laughs) That's what we're going to start calling kids. The quicker picker uppers. (laughs) So, I noticed something talking to you this time. Mm-hmm. You have not used the word step parent. Mm-hmm. You've used the word or the phrase non bio parent. Mm-hmm. Does the word step parent bother you?
0: No, no, it doesn't bother me at all. And I think I'm just using non bio parent versus bio parent just as an example of the roles and responsibilities of, uh, of each person.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm kind of start leaning towards step parent as, you know, somebody who has to accept some roles and responsibilities of parenting kids that aren't theirs, even though it's really not. Mm-hmm. And so bioparent versus non bioparent, you know, it's just a very easy way for me to be like my, my wife can, you know, macho at any point in time. And I am perfectly okay with it because if it wasn't for them, I would have to do all these things to begin with. So anything and everything that they do extra is wonderful and it's great. And it's such a huge help.
2: Yeah. And I just noticed it when you were saying that, but it's mm-hmm. perfect because I hate the word stepmom mm-hmm. because it has the word mom in it. And, yeah. and that makes it sound like, oh, you need to step up and be the mom.
4: And yeah. I just, yeah.
2: I don't like it. And we've often talked about what can we use besides step stepparent?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: We've said scapegoat, <laughs> <laughs> target, all this stuff, but non-bioparent, I like that.
0: Yeah. Non-bioparent. And, um, I've grown such a huge, uh, closeness with, uh, with bonus mom as well. You know, bonus mom is just something just, it's just fun. So just a quick example, like my wife is is constantly thinking of, thinking of like really fun things that the kids like to do. And so if I have, um, studying or something along those lines where I need that, that time, instead of just keeping the kids busy in the house, you know, she, she steps up and she's like, Hey, I want to take them and go do something fun. And I'm like, Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I never expected her to, I never asked her to. And it's just uh, it's a wonderful thing.
2: And she enjoys it. And she does.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really does
2: because a lot of stress came off of her mm-hmm. by not having to parent the kids.
0: Yes. Not having to parent kids that weren't her responsibility to begin with. Mm-hmm.
2: And I really think with your wife, her issues were mainly with your ex and her being so high conflict more than it was the kids. Yes. That's why the boot camp challenge, I told her to use high conflict bio mom in place of the step kids.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And it
2: seemed <laughs> to work well for her. So. I need to revamp that and make one for the bio moms.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like it.
2: So would you say that the Nacho Kids Academy, since your wife joined, has improved your relationship?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 100% has. And it's just like a lot of similar things in life where it's not a clear cut and cookie dry method that, you know, if you do this, this and this then it's going to work. And mm-hmm. it's just not the way it works. So you have to use and utilize these, uh, these stories and these similar situations. And because every single situation is unique in its own and every family is unique in its own, along with uh, personal beliefs and core values and a lot of things like that. So you have to find the way that it works for you
4: mm-hmm.
0: and find the way that your having improvements. So it's not necessarily a matter of if Nacho Kids Academy is going to work for you or not. It can, and it will absolutely work. But if it's not working, you have to do something a little bit different to get the outcome that you're trying to desire, such as just more boundaries in the household or the Proper balance of parental responsibilities within the household. Mm -hmm. So you just have to find the find the way that's going to work for your family and your household. But one hundred percent,
2: exactly. And that's like your wife taking your kids and doing things. Mm -hmm. She enjoys that, so no, she doesn't need to nacho that. Yeah. Whereas Mm -hmm. I would not take those youngins to the mailbox because they would not listen to me. They would. Just act crazy. And I just, I wouldn't do it. That was something I had to nacho. Now, taking Mm -hmm. one on one was a different story, but I definitely could not take more than one anywhere. Sure. (laughs) And some people enjoy cooking. Yeah. And it's easy for you to have something you enjoy. Like your wife mentioned that she had made a dinner that was related to a Disney movie Mm -hmm. and the kids didn't like it. And she's yep. like, I spent three hours making this. <laughs> well, I don't like cooking anyway, as everybody knows. <laughs> and if I spent three hours making it, and I don't care if I thought it was the best thing to sliced bread, it would make me mad mm-hmm. if the kids sat there and complained about it. Yep. So she mentioned that now you get to do dinner with the kids, and it's great.
0: Mm-hmm. It is. Absolutely. Yep. If the if the kids want to, you know, if they want to have dinner and things like that, then guess what? You are stepping up and you're going to help. If if you're going to be, you know, picky and choosy about what you're eating, you're going to help make it. And if you didn't, you don't get to complain about what it tastes like. Exactly.
2: Yes. You can make it and complain what it tastes like.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes, because you've done the work and, you know, hey, uh, this is not that great. Well, you helped to make it. Yep. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's funny. Some people will say, oh, well, that's not how I nacho. And then they'll use the argument of, well, everybody nachos differently. Well, that's not really true because there is a right and wrong way to nacho. Mm -hmm. But you can't say, I still parent them and say you're nachoing. Yes. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion is, is they'll say, oh, well, I don't nacho homework. And I'll say, well, what do you mean you don't nacho homework? I make sure they do their homework. I discipline them if they don't. Well, then you're not nachoing.
0: You're not nachoing. Right. And so
2: it's not that I don't nacho that. It's you're not nachoing.
0: (laughs) Yes, you're just not nachoing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what is one piece of advice that you would give A friend of yours that's getting ready to get married and they have kids and they're dealing with a high conflict ex, what advice would you give them before they got into this whole blend?
0: So, one of the biggest keys of advice that I think I could possibly give would be to actually have a huge uh, sit down and conversation about what each person's roles and responsibilities are and, and should look like more specifically the bio parents having a sense of control and say, so about anything and everything that uh, revolves around the kids, including, and let me emphasize, including all communication with that former high conflict bio parent. And really clarifying what all of that looks like. And also really just, uh, yeah, just really just clarifying all of those things before moving forward and making sure that you understand that all of these things that are going to have to be done and the kids needs are being met are done by you and anything extra is a bonus. Mm -hmm. And always expressing your appreciation for what the other non-bio parent does and what the bonus person, the bonus spouse does for the relationship.
2: Right. And I think it's so important to make sure that you thank each other. Yes. A lot of times David will bring me a fork when he sees I need one without me even asking.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: And he's attentive. I'm Mm -hmm. not, but he is. (laughs) And it's important. For me just to say thank you to him because I do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And that's something I try to instill in my son is say please and thank you. Yeah. Because if not, it sounds like you're demanding and ungrateful.
0: Yeah, really appreciating life and all of the fine details that it entails, including all of those really small things and all the little things. Because uh, in, in my line of work, it can end as we're talking right now. And you sometimes and a lot of times don't have any control of that. And so, yeah, don't take anything for granted. If you're open and very appreciative of everything, it really brings a huge quality to the new blended family.
2: And don't wait for a tragedy to make you realize what truly is and is not important. Absolutely. Broccoli is not that important <laughs> when it comes <laughs> down to a kid being sick or something bad happening. Mm-hmm. And just just remember that and a lot of times I talk about that in these challenges because you've got to put things into perspective. Yeah, it might make you mad that they don't eat healthy. So what? Yeah. Are you going to lose the, your marriage or your relationship, the person you love, because their kids don't eat healthy.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: No, well, if you, I mean, some people probably would, honestly.
0: Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: He doesn't make them eat healthy, and he doesn't listen to me, and then it just spirals.
0: Yeah, and then at that point, you know, then tragedy does strike, and then all of a sudden, it didn't matter, and you wasted all this time over broccoli that didn't have cheese on it three years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then you end up in another blended relationship, and guess what? You're going to fight about the same stuff if you don't learn how to do it now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, Mr. Powers, thank you so much for, for first of all, being so supportive of your wife in her journey to learn how to nacho, and for not criticizing her for not wanting to be mom to your kids and not expecting her to be mom to your kids. And secondly, thank you for being a guest on our podcast and giving us the bio dad's perspective.
0: Awesome. Of course, you're very welcome. And it's been uh, the pleasure. It's definitely been all mine. Thank you so much. Laurie. Thank you.
2: I think it's funny that Austin Powers calls me Miss (laughs) Lori. Because he knows you're old. David. (laughs) I'm not
3: ancient. (laughs) Uh, You're getting there. What? Well, if you're lucky, you will get there. <sighs> you're looking at this all wrong. Like somebody told me not long ago when I, my birthday came around and all these people saying happy birthday. And somebody posted, dang, you're getting old. And of course, the person that posted that was probably 70. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, dang, and you I'm, almost did." <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, well, you know, it's BC the alternative. So I don't mind it. I don't mind getting old. And I get around better than people younger than me. And I won't point out anybody as, you know, in particular when I say that.
2: <laughs> You're talking crap about me, ain't you?
3: <laughs> I didn't say anything about you.
2: I have a knee issue. I don't know <laughs> what's wrong with it. And David's <laughs> makes fun of me, calling me limpy, like the limpy deer we got in the yard. Come on, limpy.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: oh, that's so funny.
2: <laughs> but, but you did get me this little knee thing the other day that helped.
3: Oh, it is helping now?
2: Well, it helped the other day, then it hurt more yesterday, so I don't know.
3: I'm trying to offer to get you one of those little rolly things you put your knee on, roll around on, but I no. know what you'll do. You'll ram in everything, knock <laughs> stuff over, probably roll over my toes, roll over the dog's tail.
2: Well, the thing is, it kind of hurts to bend it, so that would not that wouldn't be more good. Yeah.
3: So, yeah, so I mean, you're walking like a mummy now, like a stiff leg mummy walking around.
2: Okay, <laughs> so we'll let y'all know about my knee once I have the MRI done to see what's going on with that.
3: See, if you lived in London, it would it'd be fine, because be like, I'm your mummy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it probably hurt it kicking you that night. <laughs> it probably would. Said I thought there was a bull jumping in the bed. <laughs> yeah,
3: well, you've been watching all that Cobra Kai stuff, and that's probably where it hurt your knee.
2: It hurt before that. It's been hurt for like three months.
3: Okay. Well, it's time to stop faking.
2: (laughs) What? Dude, if I was faking, oh, I'm faking the swelling in my knee. Okay, I'm really
3: good. That's why you keep asking me, is this still swollen? I'm looking at it going, looks fine to me.
2: (laughs) If I could fake my leg swelling, I would fake myself skinny.
3: (laughs) Okay. All
2: right. And it might look fine to you, but you can't see. <laughs> I can tell through my clothes that this one leg's fatter than the other. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Speaking oh of old, decrepit people, Betty White died.
3: Why would you call her old and decrepit?
2: Well, she was 99
3: and she got around better than you.
2: Have you seen her lately?
3: Well, no, she's dead.
2: Well, how you know she got along around better than me? Why are you bashing me?
3: I'm not bashing you. Well, my ninety-seven year old grandmother gets along better than you. <laughs> that's a true that's a true point. That is not true. It's not? No. Well, last time I saw her, she wasn't limping.
2: <laughs> she has a cane. <laughs>
3: that's to hit people with. <laughs>
2: All right, now that y'all know I'm old and decrepit and dying.
3: (laughs) You thought you were dying the other night when the dog jumps up on the bed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know they say that animals can sense things. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same night that I thought there was a tornado or something because Ziva was acting weird. And I get up and I go let her out and she doesn't go out. She just looks around. (laughs) It's
3: because the tornado's coming. You let the dog out. (laughs)
2: I thought she might have to pee. (laughs) And so we go get back in the bed and y'all there's no way around it. This dog don't love me. She loves David. She only uses me as an excuse to go get in our bed and take a nap. (laughs) So I let her back, you know, we go back in the bedroom and crawl back in the bed and she like lays on me. Both of her paws. And I'm like, I'm dying. She knows I'm dying. Something's wrong. I need to make a doctor's appointment tomorrow if I make it that long. Oh, my chest feels heavy. Oh, I can't get comfortable. All this while Dave was over there.
3: (laughs) Don't wake me up if you die.
2: (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) But luckily there was no tornado and I didn't die that night. No promises for the future. Yeah. But anyway, did y'all know Betty White was a stepmom? No, I didn't know that. I didn't either till I read it on Facebook.
3: <laughs> Are you sure it's true?
2: Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, that's interesting. We should have interviewed her. Now you tell me.
2: Yeah, too late now. But I have been watching Golden Girls reruns.
3: Oh, gosh. Here we go. Yeah. So you're watching Golden Girl reruns during the day and then the new Bachelor at night.
2: Oh, that's gonna—that's that's a, a di- crap show. Yeah, that's a dichotomy right there. It's funny. I just love laughing at those girls one week. Oh, I'm in love.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All them women are crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I just wonder why they don't have a fat people version. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I just wonder why they don't have A normal-shaped people version.
3: Uh, Instead of the skinny chick version?
2: Yeah. And a old people version.
3: Exactly. If you do die, then I want them to have an old people version so I can be on it. That way I can be like, suck it up, buttercup. And by the way, put your clothes on. You don't look (laughs) as good as you used to. (laughs)
2: Could you imagine the old people version?
3: <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny. I'd be like, I mean, it's like here, hand out the what, don't they hand out like a rose? Mm-hmm. You know, like, hand out the rose. Be like, I'll beat you with this thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Give them all canes. Would you there accept you. my cane? <laughs> <There>. <laughs> would you accept my denture grip? It would fix a dent. Fix a dent. That's it. <laughs> that's
3: the word I was looking for. Dint I was way grip. off. <laughs> a ditch <of> grip But
2: <laughs> well, that would be funny though
3: yeah it would be uh, well you know if you think about some of the older people um, like I remember my grandmother she got to the age where I remember her telling me she's like I'm at age now where I can say what I want I don't care <laughs> <laughs> I think we
2: talked about this before because a guy at work told me That I was going to be a very interesting old person that just told everybody exactly what I thought. (laughs) I said, I do that now.
3: I was going to say, you are doing that when you were younger. That's what got you in trouble.
2: Hey, Nacho taught me not to do that.
3: I know. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank the Lord for Nacho.
2: Thank the
4: Lord.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it would be interesting. It would be interesting to have those different variations of the show. It's not always, you know, the hot guys and hot girls. Let's let's throw some reality in there. It's supposed to be reality TV.
2: Yeah, but can't you see your 70-year-old grandma and your 70-year-old neighbor making out on The Bachelor?
3: (laughs) Yeah. I don't really enjoy watching any of them making out, honestly. No. The Bikini Nights are the only nights worth watching. David. You know, other than that, it's not worth watching.
2: You never watched pageants unless it was bikini night or the bikini part, did you?
3: Is there any other reason to be watching it? Yeah. I mean, just because some thirty year old's jumping around singing the good ship lollipop? <laughs> Shut up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Hush your mouth. Hush it. And I was not thirty. Anyway. But that would be very interesting.
3: Yep. I think they should do like a they should do a step family version.
2: Oh, gosh. Like the wife swap, but have people that are going to be a blended family. Yeah. Oh, and they have to go through the nacho coaching before they can get married
3: or engaged. Well, there was a dude a while back that had um, a kid or two.
2: I know he had one and he left.
3: Yeah. Because his little
2: boy wanted him to come home. It was sad.
3: That's what they should do. But here's yep. my
2: thing, and then we'll get off the subject and wrap up. <laughs> I see you swapping spit with somebody. You think I'm gonna go right behind th- them and kiss you too? That's just nasty. You me? Anybody? Oh, okay. Cause you know, whoever on the Bachelor or Bachelorette, they'll be kissing somebody, and then the next scene they're kissing somebody else. It's like, uh, are y'all not afraid of gingivitis?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Something. I'm sure they use like hand sanitizer.
2: (laughs) Well, they're not using tongue condoms.
3: (laughs) They squirt hand sanitizer in (laughs) the mouth. They drink enough alcohol in that show; it's killing off anything, (laughs) anything they could possibly get them.
2: That's probably true. That is probably. (laughs) That's why
3: the first night they go ahead and (laughs) have open bar. (laughs) Let's kill off all this funk y'all got. (laughs) That way you can
2: tongue everybody down.
3: Yep. And every time they go out to dinner, it's open bar, kill off all the funk. So that's all they do the whole time they're there is killing funk.
2: (laughs) Well, then it should be a pretty safe place. You would think. Yep. All right, right. folks.
3: (laughs) We're done. (laughs) As you can tell, we are done. Stick a fork in it. All right, folks. Thanks for listening.
2: (laughs) Where did that surprise come from?
3: I don't know. Somebody was hungry. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Remember, for uh, Lori and myself, that life is so good when you nacho.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.